So my role, as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Knowledge Architect. And what I've done to try to help us here at NASA is really to take our data, and we've got a lot of data. We've been around for 50 plus years. So we've got data from microfish all the way up to, of course, to the digital era that we have to try to use from time to time. So my role is to take that data and really be able to turn it into actionable knowledge. Hi, I'm Paul Miller, and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices, and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking, and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So I'm delighted to be joined today by David Messer. Uh, David is the Chief Knowledge Architect at NASA, also known as the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Some organizations are known better by their acronyms than their full-out name. Um, So it's interesting to to just pronounce that, uh, based unsurprisingly in Houston, Texas. Um, David has been at NASA for 20 years. He joined in the heyday of the space shuttle uh, when NASA was involved in building the International uh, Space Station and getting people up there to to do that. And um, uh, we sort of forget how long the International Space Station has been um, in existence, and it's it's quite a, a huge achievement. Um, David's role is t- around design, advice on the development of technological solutions for the Knowledge Management Office. Um, he's looking at the implementation of technology within the Knowledge Management Office at NASA and really kind of looking at the way that technology um, moves knowledge around the organization. So, David, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast today. Well, I appreciate being here. Thank you very much. So um, I, I know little about NASA apart from what, what you might call a, a fascinated observer's assumptions. So just so that I can um, get uh, up to speed and the listeners can, can you just describe your role and, and also how do you describe what NASA does? Well, let me start off with what NASA does and then I can factor in how, how I use my role to to help support our mission. Uh, So for, of course, NASA, uh, it's a federal agency for the United States government, and our primary role is space exploration, Um, looking at how uh, here on on Earth we can expand our view out out into the the horizons uh, beyond that. But we do a lot more things. Everybody thinks of us as just a space organization to where we're we're trying to get people to the moon, not to Mars. Uh, We've got the International Space Station. Um, and and we, do, we do conduct a lot of research out in zero gravity to try to improve the benefits here on Earth. Many of the things that we have done over the years have led to new technology and new products that have come back down to Earth. Uh, some of the simple ones that people can think about are like uh, memory foam mattresses and Velcro. Uh, but we've done other things such as improving the regular avionics, how people fly, the safety, the fuel efficiency. Um, we've, we've done many things to, to help improve uh, the economy and the, the way people live here on Earth. Um, but we also look at the Earth sciences, and we do a lot of research on, on climate control, uh, looking at how we're trying to better improve 
our time here on Earth uh, through the different types of organizations we, we partner with, such as NOAA uh, and some of the other academic research industries or, and industries that allow us to be able to do significant research to help improve humankind. Uh, so we try to impact just a little bit of everybody, mm-hmm. uh, even though our main goal, of course, is space exploration. Uh, in order to get to space, we really have to also have to understand what we do here on Earth. Well, that's, that's a great way to describe it. And, and, and so and, and what's your role within this uh, incredible organization? So my role, is, is, as you mentioned, I'm the chief knowledge architect. And what I've done to try to help us here at NASA is really to take our data. And we've got a lot of data. We've been around for 50 plus years. So we've got data from microfish all the way up to, of course, to the digital era that we have to try to use uh, from time to time. So my role is to take that data and really be able to turn it into actionable knowledge. And I do that by a framework that I developed called knowledge architecture. And I define knowledge architecture as a combination of three different disciplines, knowledge knowledge management, knowledge informatics, and data science. Where the knowledge management is a strategy for how we identify, create, manage, store, visualize the data itself, things such as uh, case studies, lessons learned, uh, collaboration, business intelligence. Those are the strategies for how we're going to do that. The knowledge informatics is the pipeline that takes our data and gets it to our end users. So it's the IT infrastructure, the uh, collaborative tools that are being developed, the websites, things like that that eventually get that information to our end users. But that's not enough. We, I had to add this data science component in here because that's how we actually turn the data into actionable knowledge. The data scientists are those algorithms and those methodologies we use to take this huge amount of data, condense it down, pick out what's necessary for us to be able to, to, to make the decisions we need to make in a timely manner. Okay, that's uh, absolutely fascinating. And, and I mean, what, what are the sort of big challenges in managing knowledge at NASA? Um, because obviously each organization is, is unique. Um, but I imagine that the challenges in an organization like NASA are, 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 are particularly unique, if you like. Well, they, they can be unique in the sense that we're doing things that nobody else has ever done. Uh, and we're doing things that we don't have any... Uh, for lack of a better word, experience, because we can't go back and look at what it, uh, how did uh, Ford build this car, for example, if I'm starting a new car company, and learn from his mistakes, because mm-hmm. nobody else has really gone up into space. Uh, so some of our main challenges, of course, is just looking at things in a different way, first off. But we have a whole lot of challenges that are probably your user, your audience out there is very familiar with it, even in their own organizations. Because from a knowledge management perspective, we had the same things that most organizations have, such as uh, cultural issues, uh, trying to get people to share their data, making sure that they, they understand that the data is going to be safe and protected. We have a lot of scientists and researchers and engineers uh, that have information that uh, in some cases can be sensitive. In other, t- in other cases, it's just pr- proprietary to their needs. Uh, they don't want to get it out there, so we have to be able to get them to understand that we're not trying to take their data away, but we're, what we're trying to do is make it more useful for them. And, and that's breaking down silos, which is another big uh, challenge we have. Uh, across NASA, there are 10 centers and another seven facilities 
and we're all interconnected. But at the same time, we, we, we can look at those sensors as primary silos because they store their own information. And then even inside those centers, each organization or department inside of that, a lot of times tends to, tend to silo their information. So those are our two big challenges, culture and silos. No, and, and it's interesting because so many organizations, whether it's, you know, Shell, Adobe, um, GlaxoSmithKline, you know, the challenges are similar, you know, culture and silos, trying to get human beings to, you know, change the ways they work or try and kind of work across these organizations. And um, I mean, so are there particular... Uh, kind of demographic challenges for you as well because that's something that often comes up that you know that the, the younger people particularly millennials and, and also the generation coming after that have got a different approach to collaborative knowledge sharing and and um, if you like a, a different approach to whether knowledge should be isolated or or shared definitely there, there's de- uh, a definite change in the way people not only use information, but share information. Um, in my younger days, um, you know, if I wanted to go learn something, I'd walk out of my office, go next door to the, to the uh, lead engineer, sit down with him and pick his brain and just sit down and talk to him, try to get information. Nowadays, uh, it's, it's more, more efficient and more timely because people are so spread out, whether they're working from uh, home or a different area based on geographic locations that they use things such as um, email, of course, is, is the big thing that first started off. And now you've got video conferencing um, and in, in video in general. Um, just a quick example of, of that difference between my generation and the, and the younger generation. But five years ago now, I was sitting in a meeting and we were talking about a collaborative tool and, and people were looking at SharePoint for one example of how they wanted to try to develop a, a SharePoint example on their on their uh, internal website. And one young um, engineer there was talking about how he was going to set something up. I volunteered that since I've had a lot of experience developing in SharePoint, I volunteered to help them to show him how he can utilize SharePoint and how he can do some different coding practices in there to make it more efficient. He looked at me and said, I really appreciate it, but don't worry about it. I'm just going to go look on YouTube, see how to do it. <laughs> right. And so that, that struck me there like, okay, I've got to start thinking about this differently mm. because they, they, it's not a matter of me trying to communicate with them. They can just see it on YouTube, and, and it's the way the world is going. Mm. Yeah, and no, that's fascinating. And, and, and when you think about the, the particular challenges uh, in, in your role at NASA, what are, what are some of the successes that you feel most proud of? Well, the, the, one of the biggest successes we've had in the last uh, year and a half now um, was our improvement of how we find information mm-hmm. um, in the sense that – and everybody can look at it. Well, probably if you ask anybody, I guess, in an organization what some of their biggest problem is enterprise search. How do you find things? How do you locate things? Um, and in the world of the types of search engines we have now, Google, Bing, Yahoo, um, everybody's looking at, at why can't we find – what we need in our enterprise like we do on Google. Unfortunately, it doesn't work the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of our big successes is trying to figure out different search methodologies to be able to uh, really help our end users find their information. So, so let me give you a little example and how to tie that into and why the current 
search enterprises don't work in, in our environment. So take a Google, for example. Their primary search in algorithm is a PageRank algorithm. And I'm going to simplify this way down. They've got a lot of different algorithms in there. But the main thing that they look at is the more time somebody hits a site, the higher it goes up in rank. And, and that, that site's going to become one of the first things you're going to see when you do a query. In the enterprise, many times when I'm looking for information, it's information that hasn't been touched in 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Mm. So there's not, it's not going to rise because of a page rank algorithm because nobody's looked at it for quite a long time. So I've got to look at different ways of trying to find that information. And some of the things we've, we've, we've come across are some of the big successful key factors to, in order to improve upon our search are things such as repository-specific uh, indexing. So I know that each organization, I'm going to index their information separately and then federate that uh, to a higher level, but allowing them still to go down and just search their own index when necessary, just so they know exactly which haystack they need to go to in order to be able to uh, get that information. Uh, so that's one thing. So what that allowed us to do, so we were able to combine various search methodologies, such as the semantic search, uh, faceted search, and natural language processing in, in uh, um, some text mining along with that to be able to improve our search capabilities to where we had one project who was at their wits end trying to find information from the Apollo era. We applied this information, this uh, search algorithms we, we've worked on to this Apollo information. They were able to find what they were looking for in a matter of hours as opposed to the last month they were searching for it. And in the long run, to make a long story short, it saved them about a million and a half dollars in two years' time uh, to be wow. able to get that information they needed. So that was a big success for us in mm. what I was trying to develop within the knowledge architecture framework. So that really, that's interesting because one of the more recent um, podcasts we did was with the Formula One uh, racing team, the Williams team. And um, again, a very, um, you know, highly technical organization. And they were talking really a bit like your example around um, the ability to uh, search and find something that the, the, the benefit of moving from something that would take days to something that took an hour or less um, was just transformational for that part of the organization. It was part of the, getting the um, the race crews up to speed as soon as they get to the, the their next race. Um, um, and uh, just before we kind of go on, I mean, uh, how did you come? I mean, what made you join NASA? Um, it, was it some? Was it an organization you'd wanted to join for a long time? Uh, were you attracted by the challenges there? What, what, what was the story behind that? Well, it, it really started off, of course, in my youth. I had a big sci-fi uh, interest. I was always looking uh, at uh, different types of uh, uh, space exploration and understanding how you know where we're trying to go. And I always wanted to be one of those guys that was, was hopefully getting, you know go up into the stars. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen for me. But but I wanted to do something. I want to have some kind of part uh, to play in that. Um, so of course I've been born and raised in Houston my whole life. So I was really close to JSC. And when an opportunity arose, when uh, I had a fellow uh, colleague of mine tell me about a, a job opportunity um, that I should look into uh, here at NASA, I, I jumped on it and, and I was fortunate mm -hmm. to get selected um, and, join, and join the team and, and just kind of start my career from that. I started off more as a uh, database administrator, uh, 
probably 25, 30 years ago with, with a contractor mm. uh, and worked my way through until I finally became an actual civil servant with, uh, with NASA. And what, what struck you as the main differences? I mean, what, what struck you about NASA when you joined? What, what, what sort of surprised you about the organization? The the surprise, I guess, initially was the compassion—not the compassion, but more of the of the of the how the employees here are just totally immersed in what they're trying to do, uh, their beliefs in what they're trying to to support and help. Down to you know the to the smallest job, everybody knows that everything we do here contributes to our mission uh, in mm-hmm. one way or another. Um, I guess the, cha- the thing there is, to, is the camaraderie with everybody here and how we, uh, how we try to work towards that mission. Uh, mm-hmm. That kind of surprised me there. And, and, of course, the obvious difference is going from, a, from an industry or a for, for-profit organization into a uh, governmental agency. Um, like anything else, you, you have to deal with the, uh, um, sometimes the, the differences in how things are run with, from a, a for-profit to a government agency. Sure, and and when you think about the, um, uh, the the kind of culture of the organization, this sense that um, it's an organization with this deep level of camaraderie and and, uh, and that strength, how has that um, helped you um, in your work? It it helps me. It pushes me to do more. It pushes me to to strive to find answers for things that uh, are difficult to do. Um, I try not to take no for an answer as, as far as, you know, why can't we do certain things? Why can't we find the information faster? Why can't we take this information and, and, and run different types of analysis on it to be able to, to supply answers quicker? You know, why can't we look at our uh, discrepancy analysis and our, and our anomaly logs and be able to identify potential issues and predict these issues in the future? Uh, those are questions that haunt me, that keep me, keep me up at night that I'm trying to find solutions for. So knowing that I'm doing this for a group of people that are all joined in the same mission and wanting to improve upon what we're trying to do, not only just for, for NASA, but for humankind, um, that helps me to, to get up in the morning, come to work and continue to do my best. Hmm. And uh, I mean, when you I mean, when I think of NASA, I also think of an organization where sharing knowledge is just fundamental to um, the work. And, and how is that historical capability helped you in your work? Well, sharing knowledge is one of the um, basic tenets of knowledge management. You know, we, what we try to do is make sure that in, within knowledge management is to make sure that the information is available for generations to come, um, that it doesn't get lost, that it, uh, it's, it's easily accessible. Um, so being able to, to work with folks and they understand when, when our group comes to them and says, we need to start collecting the information that you guys have. Uh, they're willing to do that. They're, they're helpful. They're saying, yes, we need to make sure this is available, uh, not only today, for, but for the next generation of engineers and researchers and scientists, so that we don't lose uh, what we've done so far uh, and be able to utilize what we have learned 20, 30, 40, 50 years in the future uh, to help propel us into the next, uh, next technological revolution. Hmm. And, and when you look out, uh, across your, you know, the the time you've been at, at NASA, what what are the main changes that have taken place in in not just knowledge management, but it's in if you like in the digital world of work? Because you know, and I, I noticed this having interviewed different organisations that, on the one hand, feel completely unique that some of the challenges are similar in trying to get a group of people to to work together using technology. 
So I guess some of the major changes I've seen over the last 20, 30 years is how people do their work. And of course, technology has been a big part of that. Um, 20, 30 years ago, it, it was in isolation. People worked within their office. They may have gotten up to, to go talk to somebody and communicate, uh, but everybody primarily did their work in their office and then sent memos or, or wrote reports um, and then shared it via interoffice memos. Uh, nowadays, you know, as technology has increased and in, in the ability for us to, to really communicate from anywhere um, with uh, clarity, um, mm. you know, we're, we're able to, to now work as teams, um, whether it's that physically together or in different locations. Uh, we, we now have, in, you know, this generation tends to work more in teams and work, working more together to try to solve answers and share information together to be able to come up with the solution. Uh, and I hate to say it, I think this generation, it's not a bad thing. It's the, the ego is not as great as it was 20, 30 years ago. As I'm the one that found the answer. Here's what we're doing. Now we're looking at it as this team found the answer. So, so the ego has shifted from the individual to the team, I guess, mm. uh, to where they are responsible for finding the solutions together. And everybody on the team is important to be able to, to try to find a solution. Everybody's necessary. Uh, so just the technological changes that have come over the last 30 years, that is probably the biggest difference. Um, but it can also be a, a hindrance uh, because when things go down, sometimes we forget how to work. Um, and an example of this is probably early on when, when uh, email and computers and everything were first starting on. Um, I'm going to say it was back in the 2000, right around 2000, there was an, a virus called the I Love You virus uh, that basically mm -hmm. shut down many computers. And, and uh, we, we were subject to that here also at NASA. We shut down, once we knew we had a couple machines infected, we had to shut down the network to make sure that we cleared, cleared out the virus. But when the network was shut down and, and nobody could email, many of the folks at that time who were, who were more used to working only with email didn't know what to do. It took some of the older guys to be able to come out. This thing is called a fax machine. <laughs> you nice. can take your information, put it in here, and send it. And, and I'm yeah. being a little facetious here, but definitely it was the, it was the time where we sometimes we get too dependent on technology uh, that we mm. forget there's other ways to communicate also. Hmm. I mean, do you think in terms just uh, just thinking just in terms of of crisis management and 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 planning uh, around those things that that we should have some more sort of robust systems that aren't all completely dependent on the system being up and running, you know, because we, 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 we've had virus attacks this year, you know, globally affected the National Health Service here in the UK. And, you know, in those situations, the question is you know how do you keep functioning i mean and and i know you know part of the whole um ethic of of nasa has been you know you don't want to have something that's a complete surprise what you want to have is a situation you've already thought through and and know what the uh, the response is Right. And that's one of the good things, I, I guess, that we do here at NASA is that, and maybe it's overkill, you know, some people look at it, but we have redundancies upon re redundancies, and we have procedures for just about everything. Uh, so mm -hmm. we do think about, we, we, we do have our strategy teams that look at and, and look at different situations. What do we do if A happens? And A could be a total uh, shutdown of the network, or uh, what, do, what do we do if, 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 of course, if hurricanes or national disasters, uh, but we have all of those things written down in procedures. So when they do occur, we have a document we can go to um, and start working through the process to make sure that we're taking care of what we need to take care of. 
Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned this point, which I've never thought about before, but makes absolute sense. And you said that the ego has moved from the individual to the team because of this generational shift and because of the way that things happen collaboratively. Why do you think this is? Is it, is it something to do with the generation that's coming through? Is, or is it, is it simply that the technology enables that? And frankly, if you're working on a collaborative document, who is the author? You know, when I look at it and I think about it, it it's, it's many factors, but I, I also think it's, it has to do a lot with how we're training and educating our youth of today. Uh, in my generation, it was one-on-one. You did your work. You, you, you looked to kept your head down, and you just didn't look at anybody else's paper. Mm. Um, educational systems today, at least in the U.S., and I'm sure this is all over the world too, but um, they're starting to teach more, in, in especially in your older uh, classes from when you get into your middle school and your high school and beyond, they start teaching the, the, the students there to how to work together as a group. So they'll have a lot of group projects. You have to work as a team in order to make this happen. And you have to share the work evenly. You know, you can't depend on just one or the other. Everybody has to work together and they're graded as how they are uh, working as a team rather than maybe just one person doing all the work and everybody getting the credit. So they, they've learned from an early age how to work in teams the 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 benefits and of course the the cons of working on a team what what will happen what can happen but also how to how to get around any issues that may occur when working on a team because let's face it we're all going to have personality conflict from time to time there's mm-hmm. going to be issues there's going to be many things but they're learning now early on in in, in school how to deal with those issues and how to work together um, and then the technology comes into play, which makes it much easier to share documents, share information, uh, you know, going on online and collaboratively sharing a document and writing it all together at the same time uh, so we can see what's going on. That makes it a lot easier to work. And getting a diverse set of people together in a team always is more beneficial uh, in the end than mm-hmm. one person working on it alone. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've learned that. We're working through that. And, and it's just a matter of uh, – um, of how the teams have developed over the last uh, decade or so. Mm. Any notable examples of, of things that, that NASA's a, a achieved because of the this this shift to this more uh, team-based approach and um, way of working? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can just look at, you know, what we've done here in, uh, in the Knowledge Management Office. Um, originally, we worked at as individual centers had their own knowledge management office and, and we still do. So we have our own, each center does what they, what they do best within the knowledge management infrastructure. And in the past, we weren't sharing that information over the last five years, we started coming together as a group of separate knowledge management office at each center and sharing the information and working together on problems that we're having. So here at JSC, you know, we, we are, more into data analytics and visualization within the knowledge management uh, community, and we share what we do with our other knowledge management groups. Somebody at Goddard is more uh, more proficient in doing lessons learned and case studies. Um, JPL has done a lot of work in uh, uh, video search. Uh, so when we come together, we work on these problems. We talk about our problems and then work together to try to find solutions, utilizing who who has the best expertise in that area, but then sharing it across. Uh, I think that's benefited us from a knowledge management perspective here at NASA greatly, um, as opposed to how we were doing things several years ago and everybody being isolated. 
That's that's great. And and I don't know if you're able to talk about it, but you know, are there particular technology platforms that 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 you use that you could uh, mention? Sure. I mean, there, there's a lot of different things. I'm not in. The, I used to be in the IT group. I'm, I'm no longer in that. So so I can talk about what uh, was been used over the last several years. Um, mm. Such things, you know, any kind of content management. We've we've tried many different types of content management systems, from SharePoint to um, um, I'm trying to remember trying to remember the IBM name that they had at one time. For Lotus, Lotus, so, Lotus. No, no, more more of a of a collaborative or content management system they had. And we we've tried many different things. If it's been sure. out there, NASA's probably tried it one way or the other <laughs> because they they give us the freedom uh, for each organization from time to time to look at different technologies, um, and, and so we can test them out within our organization to see whether it's something that's going to be beneficial across the agency. Mm. Um, so we've tried many different things, and I think things that we've we've always focused on now recently is is to make sure we can communicate across each other. So we're a primarily a, a, a a Microsoft Office type of environment, but we're starting to go more towards some collaborative tools such as Google Docs and the mm-hmm. Google Suite to be able mm-hmm. to share and collaborate, and especially the younger generation really likes that. Mm-hmm. Um, from a visualization standpoint, I'm using a lot of different types of uh, open source tools um, uh, that allow us to be able to gather information, visualize it. Um, graph databases, uh, to me, are, are probably one of the most important things we're going to look at in the next several years and how we're able to to store information within a graph model and yet be able to find it a lot faster than we can from a relational database. And the visualization of those graph models with various tools such as um, uh, Lincurious, Link Tom Sawyer. Uh, I mean, those are tools that we've used and, and utilized and, and worked with. Uh, Key Lines is another visualization tool. Uh, mm. But from a, a platform of, uh, of collaboration, uh, I still think there are so many different things out there that we really haven't found the right one um, to be able to, to utilize all our – for our end users to be able to utilize everything that they have. So mm. uh, it's still a work in progress, um, but – it comes down to implementation and training. Um, the IT industry has done a great job of marketing their tools. Mm. But what, at least in my experience, and not just here at NASA, I've seen in many organizations that I've spoken to, um, it comes down to making sure that it is the implementation and the setup and the training is done correctly. Uh, because unfortunately, uh, in this kind of realm, uh, if you build it, they don't, they won't necessarily come. Uh, you really have to be able to tell them how to use it and how to be able to, to work with it in order to make it effective. You have to show them why the value is, otherwise they won't, you, end users won't move to a different platform. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is absolutely true. And um, I mean, what would you say is um, the most surprising part of your uh, work at NASA? I mean, what, what, what's um, what, what's uh, what's something that that you experience in your daily work that people would probably be quite surprised to 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 hear about uh, in your role? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that because um, uh, I, I feel that many of the things I do that organizations have, have worked through this or see the same issues. You know, I benchmark with a lot of organizations, and, and every time I tell the stories of, of what we do here and how we do things and, and challenges and roadblocks that we've hit, um, they all come back and generally say, we've seen the same things. <laughs> yes. So, 
uh, it's just a matter of how you impact it. So I guess mm-hmm. maybe the biggest surprise is that we don't give up. We keep trying um, mm. to, to a degree. And, and I'm not saying that, that other organizations give up or try, but, but sure. uh, things move, things happen. We, a lot of things get overcome by events. Um, we, we make sure that we don't, again, we, we're, we're, we're an organization that has done some great things, have gone to places that nobody else has gone to. So we're of a mindset that we can do anything. Um, mm. So I guess our biggest, my biggest surprise is that it, 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 it doesn't surprise me to walk in here today and somebody, you know, has developed or, or created or found a solution that's going to help us within our everyday usage of data. That's a really interesting thing as well. The idea, the idea of having an ethic that you don't give up, um, and 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 you know, uh, it, it, you know, I, I've certainly kind of learned just listening to you. Um, that there are some kind of distinctive parts of the culture um, inside NASA, um, a kind of, well, a sort of thoroughness that that sort of, sort of doesn't surprise me, but it but it it completely impresses me. Um, but um, I, I mean, where is uh, when you think of the digital workplace over the next decade, where where's NASA? going to focus its attention what's what's going to be the what are the going to be the important areas that you'd like to improve in the the nasa digital workplace in in the next uh, decade so one of my biggest things that of course is still that i'm working on is search uh, i think search is going to be the key for for anything because if we can't find our information and you to be able to utilize this you know we're going to be stuck in the water uh, but Having said that, because I think I think we're close to to making it very usable, um, I think the next generation that we're looking at is how are we going to implement more of a uh, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, and virtual reality within our infrastructure, within our everyday lives here at making decisions. So by that I mean, how can we get, take our information that we have out there? utilize some type of artificial intelligence, machine learning capabilities to be able to find those questions or those scenarios or those issues that may be happening and push that information out to the right person before they even know it's happening. And right now we have a pull system where if, I'm, if I have a question or if I'm looking or, or let's say I'm in the IT department, and, and I want I need to go in there and check the logs, check the uh, help desk tickets to find out if, if there's a pattern happening with a particular system or, or hardware or application uh, that, that I, we may need to get on top of. What I want to see is take a look at these logs, take a look at these help desk tickets, run them through some type of um, artificial intelligence to pick up these, detect these patterns as before they start, as they start happening. And then send that information to the right person. You may want to go look at this particular model of, of, of app or hardware because we're seeing an issue of it overheating. Mm. Uh, and, and then go check on that before we have a, a down um, data center of some type, you know, where, where all the hardware goes down. So things like that to where we're utilizing that virtual reality and augmented reality where we can actually take a look at our parts that we're creating Mm. through maybe some type of visual, uh, some uh, wearable glasses that we can see the actual 3D dimensional part and move it around on our desk uh, to be able to see if it, if it has any issues or where, where we can improve upon. Those type of things, I think, is where the next generation of what we're trying to do. 
Mm. Now that's 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 great. I mean, I I recently wrote a blog post all about it's it's called Pracy. It's something like five essential skills we need now to live in the digital worlds to come. And it was really talking about how um, tangible and visceral the the what you might call digital or the unreal world will become and and starting to understand how to navigate and function in that in a more kind of dexterous way than we do at the moment um i think will be part of the the you know the skill set to come um so we're we're um uh, just running out of time but one of the questions that i i would love to know uh, from you is is so when you have a perfect working day uh, at nasa and you're at the um uh you know you're at the uh space center and you're 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 doing your work what what does that look like perfect day for me uh and primarily because it's focusing on my job is where i can come in here and, and i can seamlessly go through the the countless amount of information the vast amount of information that, that i'm trying to decipher and be able to make someone else's day actually, you know, be able to find an issue, find a solution, find the information they need, generate uh, the correct way of visualizing an analysis they're looking at that they're getting ready to, to, to present to somebody, you know, my perfect day is, is making somebody else their perfect day, mm. basically, uh, because that's what it's all about for me. I, I, I have to help them with their data. I have to help them be able to visualize it, analyze it and, and utilize it. Um, so if I'm not doing that and, and then they're not being able to make the correct decisions, they're not able to share uh, the right information all the way up. Um, and so then that's not good for me. So I need to make sure that they're capable of, of having that killer presentation or that killer analysis that uh, uh, makes their day possible. Great. Well, thank you so much for that, David. And, um, and and thank you so much for for coming on the podcast today. It's been absolutely fascinating listening to your story. And it really kind of, I feel like it sort of took me into the world of, of NASA and, and managing knowledge there and trying to help. And um, um, I, I love this this idea that the ego is moving from the individual to, to the team. And, um, and, and, a, and, a, and a whole set of other ideas. So thank you for so much for coming on, David. It was my pleasure, Paul. I really appreciate the time. And, and uh, uh, any time, I'd be more than happy to do it again. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research, and practitioner expertise. If you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And thank you for listening.